Should I pay or should I go? Tonight, we are talking about should you bootstrap a business? Should you buy a business? Which is better for you? If you've ever thought about having a business or you're an entrepreneur, you don't want to miss tonight's show. It's going to be awesome. Our goal is simple, to help you achieve the dream and vision you first had when you thought about starting a business. We're here to make growing your business less complicated. There are building blocks to build a sustainable business. We promise to seek them out and address them all. The Better Your Business Show starts now. Welcome to tonight's show. We are so happy you are here. Tonight we have Xavier Egan here and we are talking about whether you should buy a business or bootstrap your business, which is better and how does it work? So I'm super excited because well, he's been on the show. This is the third time we've had him on the show. He's. I was thinking about who are the few we've had on the show multiple times. Xavier is one of the small handful. Yes, he is. Oh, Shannon, yeah. I got so excited. I got right. And Shannon made this. <laughs> my partner in crime, my partner in crime. I almost forgot who I was because I didn't hear you introduce me. But yes, <laughs> Shannon Mavis. Um, <laughs> it was the two, was it was a month off, Shannon. It threw me off my game. <laughs> we weren't here. Well, and this is the last season. This is the last regular episode, not last season, last regular episode of season five. So I'm excited to have Xavier here for that. We planned it that way so that um, the man, the myth, the legend could show up and impart his wisdom upon us before we go. Um, before we do that, how was Thanksgiving? We weren't here last Thursday. No, Thanksgiving was awesome. It was funny because this was the first Thanksgiving that was just Sam and I. And oh, so wow. I thought I might be a little sad, but we had a blast. <laughs> We had the best time. I didn't cry not once or getting, you know, we had a great time together. I mean, it just, we had a good time. We went out, no cleaning. We saw uh, live music and just, it was fabulous. Oh, that's awesome. so, yeah, we had a really nice day. How about you? Yeah, it was good. Um, I was telling someone, I was like, I started to work for a little bit because I kind of like the fact that no one scheduled a meeting. There was nothing on my calendar like that. Um, but then the mimosas were calling. And so I was like, mimosa work, mimosa. Oh, I'll just have the mimosa. So yeah, and the kids cooked everything. It was amazing. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was kind of weird not showing up for the show on a Thursday night, but it was nice to have that little bit of a break. And now we're going to take a little bit longer of a break. We'll have one special edition in December, but um, yeah, it was good. Well, and now it's Christmas. January, right? Yes. Extensions? Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Season six will start January. I know. It's crazy. There's a lot of changes coming for season six, but we won't get into that right now. What we do want to do, though, is we want to go ahead and bring Xavier on so that we can get as much of his time as possible before we bring the business owner in in the second half. And Carlton is not here with us tonight. So everyone, please extend as much grace as possible while I try and figure this system out every time, every time. So um, I'll bring Xavier on right now. All right. 
Boop, boop. Xavier Egan, Capital Asset Acquisition. Welcome to the Better Your Business Show. We are happy <laughs> you are here. Thank you. Thank you. Always great to be here with you ladies. <laughs> Thank you. So um, why don't we start with you just telling, you know, the audience a little bit about your background. Sure. Uh, well, I'm actually a native uh, Texan. I grew up in Houston and uh, live here in Dallas these days, uh, in Arlington more specifically, you know, home of those World Series champions, just in case <laughs> you didn't know. Uh, but my background was in accounting and finance. I uh, came to school here and uh, realized that business was uh, uh, a great resource and tool. And the idea that accounting was kind of the backbone of the language of business really uh, kind of excited me early on. Uh, so I went from there to working in corporate America, small businesses all the way up. Uh, to kind of getting out there in the world myself. So it's been a great journey. <laughs> That's awesome. I have loved when we've had you on the show because I feel like I learn something new every time and I always get so fired up. And I've had people reach out to me several <laughs> times, I've people that go on the site and look at businesses. Um, I even had a friend that inherited some money and she was like, I'm planning this trip to Hawaii and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, you thought about buying a business to, to pay for your trip to Hawaii? <laughs> Get over there and look. And so um, I love this so much because we just don't know, right? Most of us just don't know what it means to buy a business and how it all works and how, in my mind, at least every time I talk to you, it seems easy and sustainable, <laughs> which is right. one of the things that I love, right? Yeah, Shandy, you agree. So, um, yeah. How do you buy a business, Xavier? <laughs> <Where do you laughs> Well, you know, I want to go with the theme first. Should I pay or should I grow? You know, uh, well, why should we buy a business is probably the uh, first question I would imagine. And it's that uh, negative cash flow, right? Uh, that's not a term that we talk about that often. But when we deal with creating the companies ourselves, uh, the number one reason businesses fail, 82% uh, of them, that is, is because cash flow uh, that, you know, the outcome has to be income. And sometimes it takes a while to figure out how to make that happen. Uh, so buying a business is a great alternative uh, to kind of take advantage of what someone already has built. Uh, someone has already made successful. Uh, and that's more traditionally buying an established profitable business. Uh, I know sometimes people think about distressed companies uh, kind of like flipping a house but always tell people that uh, imagine uh, going into your starter home and thinking more about who was in that home before you uh, versus when you go to that starter home, you think about how your family is going to flourish there next. That's the same way we think about transitioning successful businesses. Someone else has already enjoyed the framework and the bones of that company. Uh, what we want to do is come in and continue that legacy and build out our family with that same company going forward. Uh, hopefully we can continue at least as good as they've done. Uh, but, you know, as we're a new generation around here, uh, we're hoping to at least do better, right? Slightly, incrementally, uh, but incrementally better in buying a whole company that's already sound, has customers, has people, places, and things ready to rock and roll uh, is a big, big difference versus incremental when it comes to starting and finding that first customer of your own. 
or that first five customers or that first 10 customers, yeah. uh, which is just as incremental, uh, but sometimes we just can't survive it, right? So what are some of the challenges that um, business owners might or potential or aspiring business owners might face when trying to uh, acquire a business versus building what we know a lot of the challenges we've discussed them on the show for building and bootstrapping, but buying one, what are some of the things that you should be aware of or challenges you might face? Sure. Well, I think one of the first things we all think about is capital, right? That this is going to cost some enormous amount uh, for us to achieve or to be a part of. And albeit it is a barrier, uh, don't get me wrong, but always try to cross correlate to what people are doing more naturally in a startup situ situation or scenario. And statistically about 27.3% of business owners who start their own company are putting in about a quarter of a million to half a million dollars. Uh, the next highest category is probably about 26.2%, which is about 50,000 to 175,000. That's again, over 50% of people who are starting their companies are putting a, a huge amount of money invested over the time to hopefully outgrow the failure rates, right? Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of times that doesn't happen, right? Uh, what is it? One in five businesses fell in the first year. 50% uh, by the first five years, 70% uh, by the first 10. So capital is still, you know, a great divide, right? Uh, naturally, whether we're talking about starting a business or buying a business. But if we cross correlated that, uh, when it comes to buying a business, the SBA, which is a great, you know, proponent of this type of uh, tactic, is willing to allow just a 10% minimum equity injection into a company from the owner. Now, I always like to use a range of value. So say 10 to 20% uh, could be a good marker. Well, if we were buying a company, that means that 100,000 is 10% down on a million dollar value company or 20% down on a half a million dollar value company. Well, that could be the difference of me controlling millions of dollars in revenue, uh, employees, customer bases that work for me, markets that already exist and are already uh, ample and supplying uh, a lifestyle for me uh, right there readily and available. And in that case, we just use a simple example of $100,000, whereas opposed to the general statistics of how much we would invest into our own business where, you know, the failure rates are 70% and we might have invested a minimum of 250000 just to see if it would succeed. In this case, uh, if we're going to put that money in, that 250000 at least we've got some barriers. We're kind of reducing some of that risk and we're controlling some of the outcomes that, hey, I'm buying something that's already established, something that I already know has a range of value and a consistency in the cash flow that I can tap into. Uh, well, I would say if I was going to you know, put my money to risk and put my money to work as another terminology for it, and those are my choices, I think a better choice would be buying that cash flow versus just hoping that I'm going to achieve the cash flow with the right. input that I'm putting in. And that is also why M&A or mergers and acquisition is the number one growth strategy globally when it comes to corporate organizations. It's because they've realized you can buy cash flow. 
you can buy market share. Uh, why build when I can buy? You know, why create when I can acquire? Especially knowing the amount of work, uh, the amount of effort. Uh, I congratulate and applaud every business person, including myself, because it is some real work out there, right? Now, granted, we're hopeful that we're going to get a piece of that uh, 44% GDP pie uh, that small businesses make, which is about $11 trillion. Uh, but the truth is only 9% of small businesses are making more than a million dollars. So how can we put ourselves in position to be a part of that, what would seem the talented 10th? Uh, where most organizations are putting in all that sweat and equity and you know utility, uh, but they're 86% of them are making less than 100,000 in annual salaries uh, by being business owners. And I would say that that's probably not what they imagined when they said they wanted to be their own boss. You know, that's probably not what they were thinking when they were dissatisfied with that six-figure paying job that they already had. Uh, to say, I want to get out there and make my own way in the world. Uh, so it's just a more comparable way to say, you know, transition as an option uh, from corporate America uh, into something where you're the boss of all bosses, you know, uh, or even as a tactic to grow an organization or an idea that you already have. Uh, people are even using uh, M&A as a part of the venture tactics in smarter money uh, operations. Instead of just thinking of a bright idea where you've got to prove, figure out and find the customer base, uh, which is <laughs> one of the reasons that uh, companies aren't uh, successful is because of product market fit. Right. And so instead of trying to figure that out in the rough and dirty way where you're losing money and expending cost every day, you could have acquired a company that already had a successful product, uh, already had a successful customer base and then expanded by bringing your venture idea in, by selling and cross-selling to that customer. And, it, and sometimes we're just not thinking that there's an option like that for us as everyday citizens. Uh, we're more often thinking that that's for, you know, the Facebooks and WhatsApps and the, you know, Apples and Beats by Dre. Uh, but as I gave an example, you know, I only gave it $100,000. Now, granted, that's, you know, not an insignificant amount, right? Uh, but when you compare that to 26 or 27 percent of people who are starting companies are really investing a quarter of a million to half a million, whether they start day one by having that money to invest or whether they've spent the opportunity cost from what they could have earned in corporate America or the money that they didn't make uh, or the money that they're spending from their savings while trying to earn uh, that customer position. That's really a lot of money, you know, and not a lot of guarantees. Uh, so I really love being a business person and always uh, applauded because uh, 11 trillion sounds like a lot of piece of that pie yeah. we can get. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> we want to do it in a safer way. We want to do it in a more, uh, you know, substantial way where uh, we can kind of uh, reduce that risk. Uh, we can't say any investment is a guarantee for sure. But we can darn sure uh, uh, reduce our risk as much as possible. Uh, and that's why they're building versus buying in that case, right? Or do buying you, versus building. Do you have, uh, do you think the amount of work you have to put into buying is less than if you're bootstrapping? 
Well, I would imagine uh, if uh, <laughs> we could say the success rates are correlated to the failure rates. So if 50% uh, take five years to fail, then maybe 50% take five years to succeed, right? Uh, so if, th if that's the case, or even if 20% fail in the first year, maybe 20% succeed in the first year. So let's use that and give the hopeful answer, right? So if it took you only a year to make a successful company, but that entire year you were struggling, right? You were investing 100% of the capital before at the end of that year, it started rubbing the other way. Uh, that would be one example of how a startup would work versus in this case, if you were buying a business, say the average industry standard is six to nine months. That's taken from a business owner saying, Eureka, you know what? I think I should sell. You know, I think I should get out of the game. I'm going to retire. Uh, finding a guy who's going to take him to the market, uh, finding a couple buyers and finding the right buyer maybe three months later, and then working through a transaction with the bank, right? All the way to close. Uh, that could really be, you know, a week if you were paying cash or once you found the right deal in a week, it could be six weeks from just going through a traditional banking process, right? Uh, so it could be that short of a time period between you getting a business that's already successful day one. So let's even give it the longest example, right? Say nine months, it took you to find a business. Well, in that nine months, you're not spending any money, right? On anything else besides looking and investigating in businesses. Maybe you've got a broker from the buy side supporting you, but that's pretty much a limited expense and mostly going to be success fee related. Uh, so that entire time that you're waiting, you just got holding costs. Once you get that business that you bought, you're literally replacing that cash flow. So if I put a hundred thousand into a business and I bought a million dollar company, I'm looking for something that can cover the debt service and can pay me a salary, right? So that's going to be maybe three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars in cash flow that's already available in a company at that size. Hmm. So maybe at a million dollars in debt service uh, or a million dollars I borrow, I might pay a hundred thousand in debt service. So if I had only three hundred thousand, then I paid the bank a hundred, and I've got two hundred for me, and I put a hundred down payment to make that happen. Well, I'm not going to say that's instant gratification, right? Because <laughs> There's no, you know, free chickens around here, right? But if we paired that, because we're trying to say the best case scenario uh, in a startup by succeeding in one year versus the worst case scenario in an acquisition, which is finding a company nine months later, you're still not apples to apples, right? Because I'm going to get into that company and I'm going to have a full team rocking and rolling. It could have took me a year before I got enough customers just to pay for myself to be in business. Uh, and so when we're thinking about scalability and the longevity of what we're doing, I always like to take it back to the root, you know, because when you go to B school, they try to teach you crazy stuff like doing business plans, right? Uh, financial <laughs> advisors tell you stuff like that too, right? And they tell you to think through the market, you know, think about SWOT analysis, the strengths, the weaknesses, the opportunities, the threats. Uh, Think about uh, the end, you know, uh, begin with the end in mind. You know, how are you going to get out of this transaction? One day you're going to retire. One day someone might want to buy it from you or maybe one day you want to be done. 
but somewhere in the in the road of uh, greatness, we forget about that. Uh, we never think again about how beginning with the end in mind means not only should we be trying to create success from an exit standpoint, but we should also think about how other people's exit could create our success, right? Uh, the same as we get into a corporate environment, and the only way I'm going to get that CFO position is if someone gets promoted and goes somewhere else. That's the yeah. same way we should be thinking about a business. Well, how is this guy about to get promoted to the next level of his life where he's going to retire? And I'm going to get promoted to where he was in life, where he's taking care of his family with ease. He's got a lake house and a car and a truck and a boat <laughs> and a plane if he wanted to. And he's going into the office the way he sees fits. And he's got a great team that works with him and handles business every day. Uh, because being an entrepreneur is sometimes very lonely. As the statistics say, 66% of entrepreneurs wear three or more hats. You know, they're the CEO, the CFO, the COO, the chief, 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 right? Uh, so it's very difficult to think about scaling, uh, to think about growth. And as they say, sometimes we work too hard in our business to work on our business, right? Which is where before we started, you know, it was all hypothetical and we plan for perfection. Uh, but once we get in there, it's as Mike Tyson says, we've all got a strategy before we get punched in the mouth. And <laughs> <laughs> being an entrepreneur is just a big version of fighting with Mike Tyson every day. Uh, <laughs> one day you want to be the champ. I get <laughs> Oh, you're <laughs> killing me, man. <laughs> it is so true. It feels that way sometimes. Um, yes. <laughs> okay, so what are some of the common like misconceptions um, for about, I guess, buying a business versus growing one yourself? Sure. I think one of the uh, most common misconceptions is that it must be failing right? Uh, we think about it like uh, flipping a house. Uh, and most of us know that flipping a house is probably one of the more risky versions of residential real estate because so many variables can go wrong. I uh, always like to say it's hard to turn around a ship. Uh, you need a specialist to do that. And not everybody's that type of specialist. Uh, but what's not as hard is to get into a boat that's already going the direction you're looking to go. Right. Uh, and that's like jumping on a cruise ship. You know, it's already steaming, baby. Uh, they've already figured this thing out, you know, barring that guy who hit an iceberg back in the Titanic and barring that guy who hit Italy. OK. Uh, and sunk that ship more recently. But aside from that small history, it's really like getting on that ship that's already rolling well. Uh, it's already uh, rocketing and moving in a positive direction. And you're just trying to figure out, is that the right boat for you? You know, is it going the destination that you want to go? Uh, and that's whether we're talking industry agnostic that, hey, I've got skills for business development, but I want to put it to work in recruiting or marketing or in construction or what have you. Uh, all of that becomes kind of that misinformation. Right. Uh, so first that it doesn't have to be negative. Right. It's like that starter home. Somebody else might have been there before, but we're only worried about how we're going to build from here. And then two, 
they only 20% of all companies exit successfully. What's interesting about that is there's 33.3 million uh, companies in the States, give or take, right? And that's a 2023 statistics, right? It always updates. Uh, There's slightly a few more businesses created every year than that fail, right? Like, so again, if only 20% exit successfully, that's only about 6 million businesses out of all those companies that are probably righteously ready to move on and in a successful state to transition. Most companies aren't, right? So from that same statistic, that means that 80% of the companies uh, are gonna disappear. Whether they're 100 days or 100 years old, they're just gonna disappear from the life of existence sometimes. And without having a, a true metrics of seeing successful companies transition, sometimes we're unaware that as they told us in, uh, as we were younger, the streets are paved with gold, that we can buy any type of company in any industry with the asterisk. Uh, we can't buy a law firm, right? Unless we're a lawyer. But everything else from a medical facility to a hospital to a nuclear plant uh, to a, a construction company, whether you're a construction expert or a, a physicist or not, uh, it's available to transition and own. And part of that could be that you're buying a team of experts that already do the job. They already know what to do. You're moving the number two to be the number one. It's not always the case that I wanna be hands-on and roll up my sleeves and be everything to everybody. Sometimes I wanna be a true entrepreneur, not just a businessman, right? Uh, Sometimes I wanna be a a chairman of a board, not just a president. Uh, And sometimes it's the other way around. Uh, Again, that is the beauty of acquisition and why it's the number one growth tool, because you get to decide, you get to cater that uh, investment to your own personal strategy, whether it's dealing with your family or having that cross balance cash flow that's there, or whether it's learning a new trait or whether it's extending uh, some sort of economies of scale. Hey, I'm already in construction or I'm already in real estate. So construction would save me cost on my investments. Uh, I'm already into uh, financial advising. So buying a recruiting company or an accounting firm would help me because I can cross sell those clientele. Uh, this could, list could go on and on from an example subset, but these are the, the misnomers, right? That we don't think that that's an opportunity for us. We think that we need a million or 10 million or a hundred million dollars like we're Facebook or, you know, like we're some big hedge fund or private equity group, when that could just start as simply as a part of our savings or a part of our retirement at a couple hundred thousand dollars to acquire that first company that has more than enough cash flow to take care of me and my family. As simple or as sophisticated as you want to make it, uh, M&A is just a tool. It's just an instrument, uh, just the same as every other investment class. It's just showing people how we can use business as that instrument, the same as we use stocks or the same as we use real estate or the same as we use Bitcoin or crypto for that matter. Uh, We've just been more traditionally trained on the emotional content of starting a company and the benefits and the love of being a part of that infrastructure that we created, uh, always forgetting about the business plan part of exiting that right? That we were only there uh, to get out of it at some point, right? Uh, We weren't going to live forever. 
uh, and we definitely didn't want to work forever. Uh, that was never a part of the plan. So somehow on that journey, we forgot about it. And as I said, one of the beauties of it is that over 20% uh, of our populace is over the age of 55 years and up. However, they own over 51% of all privately held companies hmm. in the country. Hmm. So one of the natural transitions that's going down is that as people are moving from corporate, they're also retiring and moving from privately held companies. One of the generational curses is no one wants to do what their parents did. So no matter how rich, poor, happy, sad, you could be a gamer and make a million and a half on the weekend or be a poker player, 23 to 25, making three to five million, traveling to exotic places. It's really hard to say, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer or an advisor or even a business person or even a uh, for a retired athlete, you know, for that matter, if I can do it my way. And a lot of it looks like most people leave home and don't live close by anymore. You know, I'm from Houston. I live in Dallas, uh, 250 miles away. And uh, so going back to run the family business would look like living their life. And a lot of people don't believe that's even an option anymore. So imagine that but multiply it by $11 trillion worth of GDP every year. So one of the largest wealth interchanges in our lifetime is they're saying about $14 trillion worth of businesses moving hands just by the baby boomers over the next five years. Wow. Those baby boomers and all that money. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's uh, got to do it. Now, as I told you, uh, 55 and up, you know, they got some Gen X's in there and things <laughs> like that that cover uh, a larger populace. Uh, but the reality is uh, sometimes people's misinformation is, is this opportunity real? You know, are there deals yeah. out there? You know, does it really exist? Uh, or is this some obtuse thing that's only for some sophisticated type of investor? Uh, and that's where, you know, I always tell people about biz buy sell. Uh, dot com, which is the largest marketplace uh, for open interchange of businesses, just like a Zillow for real estate. Uh, dynamic transactions happening every day. Biz by Sell does that for businesses and people are just unaware uh, that that type of opportunity with 30 to 50,000 listings every quarter, uh, millions and millions of dollars worth of values of businesses are right there and available. Uh, and that the banks are willing to finance it. Uh, as a matter of fact, if we were comparing it to real estate, we've got to start at 20 to 30% equity injection if we were talking commercial real estate transactions, right? Versus we would say 10 to 20% just to give us a buffer in a business transaction. Mm -hmm. And then the other alternative is in real estate, we would need a lifetime to create generational value or equity as we call it, right? 30 years. We ain't got many 30s to put down, ma'am. Uh, <laughs> how many of those we got? Uh, when it comes to a business, the cash flow is so much more different, so much more intense, so much more impactful that they only finance them for 10 years. And still, it's enough for you to get a salary out of that company and pay your debt service and own the entire company in 10 years. Well, that's a huge difference, a huge impact and something that changes everything, right? Because liquidity is the base of all of our needs, right? We don't want to say cash is king necessarily because we don't want money to rule our lives. 
But the truth is, you know, liquidity is a value prop for all of us, right? We've got to pay those bills, feed those babies, and take those vacations if we can, right? Uh, and that doesn't happen if we're not creating consistent and routine cash flow. So again, that misinformation that we've got to start with negative. Uh, we've got to start with negative cash flow, uh, whether we're talking about starting our own business or buying into something that's not successful already uh, is kind of where people start. And there's a whole nother lane out there where we could be buying that, again, more select audience, uh, but 20% of businesses that exit successfully and that are rotating at all times and available out there, it's just a question of what's the right type of transaction? What's the right type of deal that might fit me in my life, right? Yeah. All right. Um, well, we have blown right through another segment and the break, so it's totally fine. We're rolling with it. It's the season finale. We are going we to go. go ahead. Yeah, yeah. We knew it was going to happen, Xavier. We knew it was going to happen. <laughs> I knew it we was. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie was ready. I was ready. And this, you know what? We get to do it. Um, we get to That's do right. what we want. Uh, okay. Oh. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and bring in our business owner for the night. And then I'll bring in the other panelists that we have. We have a couple of experts that wanted to come in and help her better her business. So super yeah. excited. I know she's nervous sitting back there. I can see her backstage, but I'm going to go ahead and bring her forward. Kathleen Smith from Mudleaf Coffee in Plano, Texas. Hey, hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Good. I'm good. I have been so excited. I've been waiting. I, I told Kat, um, I asked her a long time ago, I was like, hey, if I, and she's like, whatever you need, let me know. <laughs> um, that's the kind of person she is. So I was excited to invite her on the show. Um, the coffee shop is phenomenal. If we want to talk about just good business, this is a coffee shop that when you walk in, you see love everybody always. Um, and then, and coffee. <laughs> is in there, but those big words there, and that's the type of atmosphere you walk into. And, um, you know, selfishly, both of my kids work there. Um, <laughs> they absolutely love, love, love her. I told her, I was like, you know, it's rare that you'll see them coming, you know, you'll see kids coming home working from a coffee shop that are excited to be there, um, that are excited to go back. My son will actually volunteer to go into work. And I'm like, hey, we've got work here. I mean, I can set up something. Well, what do I need to do? Do you want me to give you an apron? Um, he's, you know, he will go and volunteer, take a shift, do whatever, um, just because of the type of environment. But Kat, why don't you tell us a little bit about the business? Um, we turned five this year. So we opened in 2018 in the fall. And then we survived COVID by the skin of our teeth. And yeah, we're still here. Um, we were a catering company first. We had um, a coffee cart that we did a lot of weddings and corporate events with. And then as that grew, um, it got to be too much. It was a lot of work uh, for very, for not a lot of pay, I guess. Um, but the whole goal was to always open a shop. So as soon as that opportunity presented itself, we were able to um, do that um, through tons of prayer and awesome people on our side. But um, yeah, so we opened in Plano and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. It's been great. Hard. 
scary, <laughs> but great. <laughs> okay, before we jump into the challenges that you are facing, that you identified when um, you filled out the application, I'm going to go ahead and bring to the stage a couple of experts. Um, Rolf is now becoming a staple of the show. I feel like he's the third host that um, we didn't know that we were going to have, but we appreciate him nonetheless. He's always willing to jump in and um, offer some advice. And then ah, we lost the other one. I saw him on the phone, but um, it was Joe McCants from Business Empire Financial. If he comes back in, we'll bring him in. But um, Kat, we've got Xavier Egan, Capital Asset Advisors, Rolf, the right talent, um, let's talk about some of the challenges that you identified, um, with your business. Do you want me to just pick one and go? Yeah. Pick one uh, and go. <laughs> <laughs> um, right now we just locked in our rate for the next, I guess, five years, our rent. And so that was a big one, rent going up and not owning our property. And so we had a lot of, um, back and forth and just scary times with that. Our costs have gone up with all the inflation stuff. Um, employees are more expensive now, which we want, to, we wish we could pay them a legitimate, like live on their own salary, um, but we are a coffee shop and that doesn't exist yet. We don't pay me yet. I would love to pay, that's another problem. I would love to pay myself, <laughs> but we put everything back into the company at this point to help it thrive and survive. Um, yeah. Take your pick of any of those. <laughs> <laughs> Xavier or Rolf or Natalie? And I can expand if needed to. I don't, I don't know. Oh, I've said a lot. Go ahead, Rolf. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, you're facing a lot of the challenges I face on my own business, which is basically cash flow. How do you get enough revenue yeah. in, you know, to, to do the things that you need to do. And there's only, you know, two solutions to cash flow, raise your prices, which has a, a negative impact in terms mm -hmm. of potential customers or have more customers come through mm -hmm. the door. Those are the only two real solutions you've got or reduce your costs. And, you know, that's always often very difficult for uh, someone in the hospitality industry to do because they're so dependent upon supplier costs. Mm -hmm. So I agree for you, but I don't have any easy answers because yeah. if I had them, I'd stick them up, up <laughs> in my own business. <laughs> we did raise our prices um, last month. We found we did some research with the other Plano area coffee shops and we found out we were the lowest, um, which was shocking. Uh, but it is hard because I know I don't want to pay $10 for a cup of coffee. So why would I charge my customers that? But I mean, we're not quite to $10, but we did, <laughs> we did raise everything and no one fought us verbally. So I think they kind of understood. Um, sales have been lower this quarter, but lower than like last year, but up from like the summer because it's like prime shopping time and all the things um, we have are on sale or whatever um, in our merchandise area. So yeah, getting people in that was hard. I don't. Um, I don't know. You know. So uh, I would have uh, a similar comment there. That uh, to his point, uh, it's either make more revenue or spend less money, right? Mm -hmm. uh, traditionally, though, uh, we think about that in a linear term. 
of what are the products that we deal with today and can they make up the gap? Uh, sometimes the question is, what products do we not offer uh, that could make up the gap? Yeah. So if we're doing merchandising, could it be an online shop uh, and the type of merchandise that could come up with a revenue stream significant and independent enough? Uh, could catering as another alternative uh, of a revenue stream uh, being brought back be valuable again since we do have a facility now uh, and people are willing to pay for even ghost kitchens, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so That's it's not just the uh, physical uh, linear version of what we do as a coffee shop. I was in a coffee shop in 7th Street the other day and then in the daytime they were a coffee shop and at nighttime they were a bar. Uh, so it's really about thinking outside <laughs> the box and giving customers what they want and they need. And sometimes it might be a little bit outside of uh, the norm or a little bit outside of that traditional path. Uh, but the idea is, as a business owner, you've got to think that dynamic. And the beauty of being small is supposed to be agility, right? <laughs> that turn, pivot, add, subtract as you see fit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only comment I'll, I'll make on, I'll make two comments. One, going to raise your prices, do it when everyone's doing it. Yeah. So you, the timing is perfect. And two, if you're going to pivot, try to pivot to something you already know, as opposed to something that you don't know. In your case, that could very well be catering again, because you've been there before. But pivots to something you know are a lot less stressful than pivots where you have to do a lot of learning. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's right. Got and that's Oh, go ahead. No, and that's exactly why I mentioned the merchandise, because uh, you said you had an internal section about it and mm -hmm. catering. And then ghost kitchens just, you know, comes naturally because if you're catering using the kitchen, somebody else might want to do the same thing from a revenue standpoint. Yeah. Mm. I've never thought of ghost kitchen. That's pretty genius. So it doesn't cost us anything. If you know someone that was on the show that actually might <laughs> need might a ghost kitchen. Yeah. So we not, two of you yeah. Because yeah. she was saying she's got a yes. cottage kitchen. She can't. Um, so that means that she's limited in what mm -hmm. she can do. And so if you want to rent out your space, that gives her, mm -hmm. that opens up her opportunities as well. It generates revenue for you and opens up her opportunities. Um, Keisha King Brown was on the show a few weeks ago. How do you portray and envelop people in your culture and experience to differentiate from other coffee shops like Starbucks, et cetera? And how do you start with the customer to accelerate? So, so how, what's the differentiator? Um, I feel like this is such a catchphrase now for smaller coffee shops, but our whole goal was to, when people came in, we wanted them to feel like they were loved and they were at home. Um, so when we hire people, our staff no, don't usually come in with coffee skills. Um, they come in with a personality that loves people or um, clearly can get along well with others. And we tell them, we can train you how to make coffee all day long, but we cannot force you to be nice. So that's where we look at our customers. I mean, sorry, at our staff. And then through that, um, 
I don't, I always hire kind of the oddballs. And because of that, they do, and because I'm an oddball, they do so well with each other, which then creates this culture of they, like Shanna was saying with her kids, they love to be at work. And so customers come in and see that. And that I think changes the whole idea compared to Starbucks where you, I mean, Starbucks gets a bad rap. I'm sure they're not all like that, but the employees don't want to be there. And so we try to um, make ourselves different in that way. And then um, just how we treat our employees, they, they can take off work whenever they need. We are very lenient with our um, time off. They get paid time off. We, um, we try to do everything we can to accommodate them and help them feel loved and cared for as opposed to like the street three strikes and you're out. Don't ask questions. You're gone kind of thing. We kind of, and I, I know this is not what people want to hear from businesses, but we do want them to feel like they're part of our family. And so, so far it's been okay. I know other people are like, never say that. Um, <laughs> families come with issues and trauma and all this stuff. So hopefully, that's right. <laughs> hopefully that's not what they're taking away from this. And so far, every, almost every staff that has left to go to get another job has left that job and come back or tried to yeah. come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like we are doing a good job there and it shows our customers. Um, yeah, but we're just trying to love everyone that walks in that door. So that's, I think what you're asking, that's our culture. That's what we are trying to be different from other places. Well, you know, food is an emotional business. Coffee mm-hmm. is an emotional business. Mm-hmm. Tone is a great differentiator. Staff sets the tone. Mm-hmm. It does. They do. Joe, did you want to weigh in? You, oh. you knew I wasn't going to let you sit there quiet. I know you didn't think that really. Yeah. Listen, I'm learning and, and, and observing, but no, I think what you said with the Starbucks and how you position yourself as a small, as a smaller business of it, which is culture, right? And you emphasize and, and you put in that model in it and you, and that's, that's big because that's, what's going to make you unique. That's what's going to make you the alternative option. Cause everybody know what Starbucks is already is. They, mm-hmm. So even the part when you said your three, you know, the the expectation of rules and reality, we all need rules. We all have laws and everything. So embrace it, right? Make sure it's creative and as much as you want, because the rules that someone else don't have, you have. And maybe Mm -hmm. that's going back because they want the rules that you, you know, identify that you have within your culture of your company. Yeah, yeah. And that is to say, like, they don't run over us. There, There are rules. There are things that we expect. And we've had like one problem in five years. So everyone else has been really receptive to everything. So I feel like knock on wood, (laughs) it's been so good, good so far. So before we, I I don't want to miss the opportunity for you, um, the panel to speak into the fact that Kat has said, Hey, I'm not able to pay myself yet which I know that Xavier was one that immediately was just like, ooh, Um, and Natalie, the same way. So what, do we have any suggestions? Do we have any questions that we can ask? Um, Any advice that we can can give um, outside of what's already been given that might be beneficial here? Um, I will add to it. I, I think a creative way is to find two different things. One is really strategic partnerships. Um, kind of what you guys was kind of emphasizing on being creative and, and finding different, I say event planners or different events that can streamline additional revenue for yourself. Where now your space that you're already running out and just turn the one 
opening that up. And then the other side. Oh, no. Oh, man. <laughs> What's the other side? <laughs> now I want to know. Yeah. Um, so let me just say something while we're waiting for him to come back. Okay. Listen, you've clearly said that one of your core competencies is people management. Mm -hmm. So when you think of pivoting, think of pivoting to something which requires your people management skills. Don't just think of pivoting based on your physical assets. Okay. Okay, Joe. Yeah. All right. Oh, I'm back. Okay. Yeah, what's yeah. the second thing? <laughs> oh, this, oh well, the second is, is being creative with affiliate marketing, right? Because it doesn't have any overhead to it. And you kind of look at that industry, what, what they're offering, and being able to, you know, sell it to your customers that walks through every time, right? And do it as a, you can do it as a, um, a bonus or anything, an incentive. Of, if you buy this, you also, this is included, like, which is, could be a drink, right? Because that's your part and you're selling something else. So in terms of just, you know, offsetting that. And then the other ideal, I did run a few restaurants a few years ago. And I'll definitely say sometimes you also got to stand by the side with your employee and maybe offset that and you be an employee and pay yourself. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and that's just boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I would say that uh, don't add any more fixed costs. Uh, so now that you've got a facility, uh, the idea is, well, that's the hardball, you know, because it comes with that overhead that is pretty consistent, uh, like you said, about negotiating the lease. So now you focus on additional revenue streams that are light on fixed costs and are heavy on the margin. Uh, so, you know, to everybody's point, you know, maybe uh, another pivot could be you're this event person yourself. Uh, bringing love to everybody's events and bringing the right type of party crowd uh, for all I know. And all that is another spinoff of the, the physical coffee type of uh, experience. You know, you can get that same type of feel every day with your coffee or you can get it with your party. You know, uh, <laughs> and again, you know these same people could obviously get more hours uh, by having those other side jobs or, uh, you know, side events. Uh, and the same for you. Uh, so I definitely like, you know, trading places sometimes with the employee. Yeah. Uh, but again, now that you've got at least them working, uh, if you want to build on it, well, build margin, not overhead, right? I like that. I guess I'll add one more part to it, to uh, just kind of off of experience. Kind of, um, as he was saying, too, it's it could be in your costs, right? Because a lot of times you are making enough revenue, but it's kind of where, what's your food cost, right? Mm -hmm. What is the payroll side? And, and it's really dissecting it and breaking it down to the T. You know, every dollar does count. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes you may find a few dollars here and there, right? There's really yeah. sitting down every month and really taking it to consideration um, and breaking it down. And it's something I'll be willing, as you guys, I, um, well, Two of you guys will know, you know, I'll be willing to help. And that's nothing something I'm offering, say, a service of pay. But I'm I do that a lot and I have no problem helping. So. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, great job, though. I mean, five years in and making it through COVID, your environment. To me, it sounds very attractive. If I was in Texas, I would want to go. <laughs> Jana has been raving about you for a long time as well. But. Uh, I don't even like Starbucks coffee. So, um, <laughs> but just having that type of environment and 
the fact that you guys have made it this far, just to me, it shows that you're just going to continue to grow. You've gone five years without a salary. It's got to be coming, girl. You're right. Like, Thanks. Yeah, just, 24 is the year. Yeah. I, I do. We do rent out the space on Sundays because we're closed, but we don't push that. So that's, I mean, that's what you guys are saying is right there. And I know that we just had a guy email us about renting it out for an engage, a surprise proposal. Oh. And so I'm like, that was easy. If I take pictures of what they do and then post that and yeah, email it out to our people and Oh yeah, because y'all have like a four thousand strong Instagram following or yeah, something yeah. like that. I mean, that's not anything to write home about, but <laughs> I will say, Shannon has said my email list is impressive. So we have like five thousand email subscribers, and so I have been trying this year to take advantage of that. Um, well, and yeah. it's more impressive is the eighty-six percent open rate. It's, yeah. it's something like 86% the open rate, which is unheard of. Listen, so they like what you're putting out there. 5,000 um, customers who love you on a mailing list are worth a million customers. That's what I keep hearing. I just don't know where they're at. Why are they coming? I mean, they are coming in. I've seen them to spend more money when they come in. <laughs> but again, you know, 5,000 customers who love you in terms of pivot, how can you pivot to those customers? Mm -hmm. That's the strength you've got. Right. And you want to, you want to really pivot to your strengths. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So I, that's um, a good, I threw uh, up on there real fast because I made me think she was saying how awesome it is, but um, she's a great person to get feedback in that area. But she also made me think of her, how she has the points program, Shanna, those things. Where oh yeah. The loyalty. Like yeah. Mm. Oh, I have that. It's like a preferred customer points program based on referrals and stuff like that. And so she said that her clients even start competing with each other on who can get the most points and there's advantages to the points, you know, like, you know, I don't know, like a free coffee or a half off a coffee or something like that. Right. Okay. So, but yeah, she yeah. helps them. Keisha does, uh, she, she does customer loyalty um, and she's got so much experience with that. And she's um, now in her company, she's finding more and more creative ways for business owners to um, garner that loyalty and retain their customers. So um, okay. it's very interesting. Uh, yeah. Wow. I, I cannot say, believe. Yeah. Huh? Uh-oh. Almost out of time now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> gift, card. uh, gift cards. Gift cards can be an option as well. And the fact that you've got that loyal base, if you could start cross-selling other products to that same email list, then that could create a revenue stream that's very low margin, uh, quite naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we do have e-gift cards, which we see them pop up every once in a while. But it, I think there's a link that goes with our emails. Every, I need to make sure it's on there that people can buy from other states and send them to their friends in Texas and stuff. So I know I need to be better about getting on top of all that. Natalie, did you hear that? You can buy from another state and, <laughs> and send, send it to, it to Shanna. Yes. <laughs> I'm just coming to Texas, Shanna. Okay. That sounds like a plan. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. We're actually going to wrap up from this, I think, right, Shanna? And then go into, we want to keep you guys here, though, as we wrap up, because we're going to go into a game. We have It's Your Boy, Fitzroy. We have a game tonight. We want to keep you guys here to play. So, Fitzroy, what do you have for us? Am I muted? Oh, 
Yep, you're great. <laughs> okay, awesome. <laughs> so I know what the viewers are saying. They're like, this guy is back again with top five. You're right. <laughs> I am. You can't stop me. So what we're going to do is what are the top five most downloaded apps in 2022? Wow. 2022? In 2022. Well, 2023 okay. is not over yet, so. Okay. Mm. I mean, all right. Instagram. Most downloaded whoever apps. you think, okay. whoever gets the most wins. So who wants to go first? Okay, but wait. All right, so are you talking about the types of apps or the app itself? The app itself. Oh man! Like Facebook, Instagram, Fitzroy, Gmail, LinkedIn. Snapchat. <laughs> okay. Facebook, Instagram, Snap. What else? Um, I was going to say Gmail. <laughs> Gmail. Okay. I just downloaded that one, so yeah. <laughs> um, TikTok. Oh yeah, that TikTok. Okay. The Weather yeah. Channel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I use. Um, Google. Okay. Yeah. Waze. Is Waze the one? Oh, Waze. Okay. Pinterest. Oh. Okay. I know I haven't given any answers, but I can tell the ones that I don't think are the ones. I'm just trying to wait and pick the ones I like best. That's how I won last time. Um, <laughs> Uh, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. Ooh. Okay, that that's a lot. But okay, so uh, <laughs> and, oh, I, I'm only allowed to say five. I I feel like TikTok is one of Amazon. the top five. I did Amazon, yeah. I guess let let's do this collectively. Let's see if you guys yes. can choose the five that are the, the top. top. Okay. Have we said them yet? Um, you have <laughs> not said all of them. But really? Okay. Mm -hmm. So what, wow. we one. It's got to be like. So what, what are the what are the five? The Chick Fil A app. Okay, I'll name what the top five okay. are. The top five most downloaded apps. Number five at three hundred and thirty million downloads is Snapchat. Okay. Said that one. Number four <laughs> at 357, no one has said this one, CapCut. Oh. Are you guys familiar with CapCut? Yes. No. It like helps yeah. you edit stuff. If you're on uh, TikTok, you'll see a lot of people at the end. It says like CapCut, edited by CapCut. That cut. makes anyway. sense, yeah. Because I edit for the show. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, that's why I don't know it. <laughs> Number three with 424 million downloads is WhatsApp. Oh, yeah. to, um, you guys said these next two at 548 million Instagram and number mm -hmm. one at 672 million is TikTok. Okay, Xavier got um, it. Yeah, yeah. And that's not just users, those are 672 million new downloads. That's crazy. In 2022. Wow. So there's a lot of people on there. Wow. I mean, I guess there are um, people I, I, in. Do you I put mean, your business on TikTok, Xavier? You should. I do not. I just know that it's popular. Uh, you should. That's it. <laughs> I'm thinking so. I don't particularly care for TikTok, but with those numbers. You absolutely should. 
<laughs> Especially if you're doing something on other apps, just use the same content. Put it on on TikTok. Yeah. My brother runs a restaurant, and when they focus on TikTok as opposed to Instagram, their business changed. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Now, when they looked at that, it's because their customer base is young, yeah. articulate, working mm-hmm. professionals, and they live on TikTok. I hate TikTok. Or <laughs> 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 just posting. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, the other thing that was really interesting, you know, Fitzroy said WhatsApp, the people who drove them to WhatsApp were their employees because their employees wanted an app that they could do on phone and again in the restaurant business because a lot of their employees don't have laptops or desktops. All I have is a smartphone and WhatsApp works for them on a smartphone. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and I know that a lot more, uh, a lot more businesses are using them um, internationally. We're doing business more and more frequently. And so I know I've got my digital because they're in Italy. And so it's just like, this is the easiest, fastest way for us to um, real time communicate. So yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I did not say it, but I also did not say any of them except for <laughs> I repeated TikTok after I heard it because I agreed and I agreed with the other one. So I feel like I still can share in this win. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this was season five finale, y'all. So we do what we want. We go rogue. <laughs> Awesome. You guys, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us tonight. Uh, Xavier, thank you so much for just the value you always bring. You just get me excited to buy a business every time I talk to you. (laughs) My imagination starts running wild with the possibilities. So if you guys are thinking about getting a business, he's on all social media. Probably LinkedIn's the best, I'm assuming, Xavier. Uh, check out his mm-hmm. website, go to uh, buy this sale and look at businesses. But obviously you want someone who can give you some feedback on that. So reach out to him, see what your options are. Um, thank you to uh, Joe and, and Rolf who came by and visited us and Kat for coming by and telling us about Mudleaf. If you're in Texas, go have some Mudleaf coffee. I have a feeling yes. you'll feel nice and warm and cozy while you're there. And Fitzroy, thank you so much always for bringing us joy with all your games and learning something new every time. So um, I guess it's a wrap, huh, Shanna? Because we're right at six o'clock. And we uh, are. yeah, yeah. All right. All right. We'll see awesome, you guys, you guys on November 14th for the special edition. And then we'll see you back in January for season six. With so, lots of surprises. I guess lots it's of surprises to say- for season six. Best of the season to all of you, no matter how you and your family celebrate it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Thanks everyone. <laughs> Have a great right. week. Something to better I'll your business. You we'll see you soon. Thank you. Our goal was simple to help you achieve the dream and vision you first had when you thought about starting a business. We're here to make growing your business less complicated. There are building blocks to build a sustainable business. We promise to seek them out and address them all. The better your business show starts now.